0: Intuition feels like a still lake, the water is serene and calm and so is the felt sense in my body. And even if there's fear and uncertainty present with me on that beach, when I center my intuition, even with my logical brain going off about how and when and why and what if, (laughs) it's slightly smaller beside this vast lake of resilience that is a deeper, wiser, and bigger knowing. Peace and abundance, y'all. Welcome to the Creation for Liberation podcast, where we express wisdom to decolonize creativity, mindfully care for ourselves and our communities, and incite an inner revolution for outer transformation. I'm your host, Chetna Mehta, And as a third culture kid, artist and wellness facilitator, I work with brown and black women and women of the diaspora to reclaim our creative inheritance and to actualize and embody our most aware, aligned and connected selves. My guests and I will ignite you and invite you to make move and manifest your liberation for a world of compassion and connection, one creation at a time. Peace and prosperity, good people. I'm grateful to be here after an entire moon cycle with episode three of the Creation for Liberation podcast on intuition is an embodied collaboration. I'd love to start ritualistically sharing something that's been offering me inspiration lately. This episode will be dropped on the new moon In November of 2021, in fact, by the time you are hearing this, maybe it is the day or maybe it is after. But the new moon of November 2021 also happens to be Diwali. Diwali is the festival of lights and one of the major holidays, holy days, celebrated by Hindus, Jains, Sikhs, and some Buddhists. This celebration lights my inner child all the way up. It reminds me of my grandparents, of bursting firecrackers in the garden. It reminds me of sweetness and warmth and strong feminine energy, actually, because Diwali to me means seeing my mother and my grandmothers and my aunties pouring so much love, time and energy into sweets and food and cultivating a space that is resplendent with so much warmth and light. Diwali also falls auspiciously on the new moon when the sky is empty of moonlight, leaving space for us to shine our lights bright in magnetism of divine energy. So may you shine your light bright Happy, prosperous Diwali to you if you celebrate it. Before we get into the juiciness of this episode, I want you to know that two new cohorts of the Abundant Creativity Program will be starting in January 2022 and applications are now open. The Abundant Creativity Program is a three-month individual and group consultation series to reclaim our creative inheritance, to challenge the ways in which colonial mentalities repress our life force energy. And in doing so, we fortify our inner nurturing voices and we practice sharing our art from a source of spirit as opposed to from a source of ego for personal and collective change. I love this program. It holds me accountable to my liberation-oriented creative practice. I learn something with every cycle and season that we go through with the program and it's been going on now for four years which is both surprising and not because it is growing in alumni wisdom and in fact all the voices you'll hear on this episode today belong to alumni of the program Who are all abundant creatrixes in their own right so find the link to more information and the application in the show notes the question that we are massaging in this episode is what is intuition and more deeply how is it an embodied collaboration all of those words intuition embodied collaboration are very intentionally woven together. And I'm choosing to do so and choosing to focus this episode and even our last moon times digest from October on trusting intuition. Because quite honestly, I'm intending and wanting to lean even more on intuition in how I build community and who I engage with interpersonally in how i grow and cultivate my business and continuously in how i facilitate with my beloved clients and in circle intuition has been a primary guide and consultant for me in my business and there have been such important pivotal moments where i went with how i felt from a heart-centered place as opposed to what would or should be the quote unquote right way to go from a business oriented perspective, which can very easily be primarily rooted in capitalism. I leverage intuition when it comes to who I collaborate with, who I am hired by for my offerings, how I take and work with clients and what I put out as offerings. For example, last year we were planning a 10 city tour to bring compassion and discipline as a yin and yang to cities from Oakland and New York to Toronto and my birth city, Joburg, South Africa. But of course, like so many of us canceling our best laid plans due to the pandemic, we had to close that project down. It would have been logical pretty immediately thereafter to pivot to an online offering. It was adaptable for that to the degree that it was. But that would have come from an energy of should. And I was not feeling moved or motivated in my body to actually act on it. What ended up happening is I took two months without realizing that it would be two months to grieve and practice stillness first. I didn't offer anything in that period of time. And I also acknowledged that it was a great privilege to be able to take that space and time to be still And not everyone had nor has that by any means. But two months after shelter in place hit, did a strong intuition of offering a month long series of mindful compassion classes with some friends who are sound healers came in a way that felt inspiring and sparking, but only after I had grieved and let the space exist. Intuition gave me inspiration to actively unfold these classes in an aligned and generative way. And in doing so, we had four months, not one or two like I expected, but four months of courses that sold out that far surpassed the hopes and impact of the tour that we had planned prior. So what is intuition? Firstly, I want to say that this question and the exploration in this episode is going to be inherently limited because intuition transcends logic and language and goes beyond words. But since we have language to ponder on it, I will invite you as you listen to the words coming out of this podcast episode to notice how you feel in your body. What gives you a felt sense of openness or of stuckness, of freedom or limitation? To me, intuition feels like a still lake. The water is serene and calm, and so is the felt sense in my body. I'm thinking right now visually of standing on the sand looking at Lake Michigan which on some days, not all, but certainly some, the lake is as still as glass, almost. That's what intuition feels like to me. And even if there's fear and uncertainty present with me on that beach, when I center my intuition, even with my logical brain going off about how and when and why and what if... (laughs) It's slightly smaller beside this vast lake of resilience that is a deeper, wiser and bigger knowing. For example, when I decided to transition out of my corporate job that made no logical sense to leave eight years ago, I knew that I'd be changing my lifestyle dramatically I'd be sacrificing a lot, but also gaining a freedom, a purpose, and a joy that felt so much more abundant than even a six-figure salary and benefits could. And I realized, too, how much privilege I have here to have been able to do that. I didn't have a family or dependents to support, and that this isn't everyone's story Each of our experiences and circumstances in how we've listened to intuition are different, personal, and valid. But the deeper message here that I hope to convey by sharing bits of my story is that despite the fears, the anticipated worries, and the potentials of failure, which were very real. I am an immigrant. I am a child of immigrants. And it made no sense to leave a stable job close to home that set me up for the future. It was actually seemingly stupid and selfish and ridiculous to chase a dream that I wasn't even sure what it was. But despite that, I knew through both the still water within me as an excitement and an openness in my core that it was the right step. And when I decided to center that step, that decision to transition out, my logical brain knew who was the master. It was not the master. My intuition was the master and then my logical brain could be in service to it to help me plan a little more in alignment with my intuition. What's the next best step? How much do I need to save up? Etc. The origin of the word intuition is the Latin verb intuere, which is translated as to look inside or to contemplate. Intuiting is a complex dance of cognitive and emotional and somatic processes without the intrusion of rational or deliberate thought. Cognition research recognizes that intuition is perhaps the least understood aspect of cognition in that it's also largely limited to the mind overall in science today. Psychology does acknowledge intuition as an immediate insight or perception, which may be, quote, quasi-mystical experiences or related to instinct, feeling, or unconscious forces. I really appreciate the research coming out of the Heart Math Institute, which is a nonprofit research and education organization centering intuitive insight and heart intelligence. And according to them, intuition is the ability to understand or know something without conscious reasoning via implicit knowledge, energetic sensitivity, and non-local intuition. Implicit knowledge is the knowledge we've acquired in the past and either forgot or didn't realize we had learned. This is really drawing on our brains as an amazing pattern matching device. So for example, I took Spanish in high school, was able to live and study abroad in various Spanish-speaking countries, though when I'm in the States, I don't speak much Spanish, but for me, Speaking Spanish conversationally is implicit knowledge. I forget that I know certain words until I'm in an environment that requires me to speak it or intuit what others are saying. Energetic sensitivity is our ability of our nervous systems to identify and respond to signals in our environment, such as vibes, what's happening in the electromagnetic field. This is us being able to walk into a room and sense that there's some tension between people, for example. I use this a lot when I'm facilitating and quote-unquote reading the room, and we can do it even virtually. The third one is non-local intuition. And this one is juicy because this is describing knowledge or a sense of something that can't be explained by past or forgotten knowledge, or by sensing vibes. Spirituality and mysticism suggest that the capacity to receive and process information about non-local events seems to be tied to our inherent interconnectedness of everything in the universe. Science is still catching up to prove this, but indigenous wisdom has been knowing it. Across culture and time, People have talked about tuning into the intuitive heart, their inner voice, soul, or higher power as a source of wisdom and guidance. To follow what we're calling intuition, some indigenous cultures might encourage seeking out and collaborating with the spirits of plants, animals, mountains, rivers, or elements, earthly elements like fire or water. I've heard Billy Topatate, a Mescalero Apache teacher, speak about the need to tap into our interconnection with everything and the timing of Mother Nature as a way to access sacred balance and intuition. To follow intuition indigenously may look like connecting with ancestors on an altar or to our own heartbeat, our breath or a felt sense in the body. It could look like making space for the subtleties and the whispers in silence, through dreams and visions from the collective unconscious and to trusting what we know without knowing how we know. I'd like to weave in Melissa Vargas's voice here. Mel is an Afro-Indigenous Latinx artist dreamer, and nomad. Hear her story about intuition
1: coming through a dream. In 2019, I started a new plant-based diet to help relieve some of the chronic aches I was feeling in my physical and emotional body. This new dietary plan amplified my awareness of the slightest feels, touches, and hunches I was feeling in my body overall. This accumulating feeling though was sort of hinting me towards a major change. But the thing is, I didn't know how this change would look, feel, sound, or even smell like. I just knew that it was coming. My vivid dreaming suddenly began to reappear during this time, after many years of dormancy. And although it was difficult to understand the meanings in a logical sense, the visuals felt incredibly personal and intimate. One night, I had a dream that I was in a library that was two stories high with floor-to-ceiling windows that filled the large room with the sun's full embrace. I was walking up to the second floor where I saw three other visibly presenting femmes, one who was a maternal elder leading the discussion. The maternal elder was dressed in traditional clothing that covered her entire body except her face and as the others and I sat at the wooden table with our marble notebooks closed and our eyes following the voice that walked around the table, I was surprised that I couldn't hear any words or any sound, but it was as if we all knew that she was speaking and we just listened. Suddenly, I saw her eyes looking directly at me. She slowly raised her arm towards me and said with a stern voice, "'You, my dear, will be a writer.'" I looked around the room, confused and surprised by this message. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Though I could conceptualize that this was an actual spiritual experience, it still felt so surreal. Moments later, I found myself transitioning back into the 3D world and noticed the sun's ray shining through my window. I did not know how to respond to this spiritual experience or who to even share it with. I didn't know who would be able to fully understand it, yet reaffirm the message that I just received. The only next thing that made sense to me at the time was to begin writing these messages down. Almost three and a half years later, I continued to experience lucid and vivid dreaming and communication with my elevated ancestors, elders, and those who have transitioned. In fact, the more I write these messages, the more I feel like I'm honoring them, honoring their presence and wisdom i'm grateful for these messages i'm in a different physical and emotional space due to these intuitive insights and interactions and now that i live off grid as a social radical nomad writing creating and dreaming i feel like my lifestyle has magnified these spiritual experiences further throughout my travels these intuitive messages have served as a literal roadmap for me As I continue to travel cross-country with no quote-unquote logical or quote-unquote practical plan, as many people say. In fact, I feel that this strong intuitive flow matches or aligns with my logic. It almost feels quite the same. I feel that I can create a relationship, a lifestyle, and community that solely stems from my passions and intuition, no matter how illogical, raw or unconventional it may be it may appear. I can embrace my complex expressions and identities with love, power, and faith. Being open to this portal of spiritual communication where I am able to receive messages and visitations from my elevated ancestors and elders and spirit guides is a radical revolution in of itself. It involves the decolonizing of spirituality as well as a commitment to collective liberation i share my story with gentleness and compassion simply because my intuitive journey has not been linear nor is it unique nor is it the same as someone else's my journey has been broken up into small milestones or segments if you will such that receiving these messages was one part of the experience learning how to interpret these messages was another and finally learning how to accept integrate them into my day-to-day life has been and continues to be an ongoing experience.
0: Intuition expands so much further than the organ, the muscle, the magic in our heads. It is embodied Neuroscientist Antonio DiMaggio theorized that we evolved to use these bodily cues such as muscle tone, heart rate, and endocrine activity in order to make very fast decisions about how to navigate our physical and social worlds. These quote-unquote somatic markers translate unconscious emotions and sensations into instinct. So for me, instinct gut feeling, intuition, all feel like the same thing. I don't think that they're distinct experiences. This evolutionary strategy allows us to make swift decisions that require minimal thought so that we can survive in a tricky situation. Today, we can let our rational thought focus on and collaborate with these instincts to improve our decision making. In this day and age, we put a lot of thought and emphasis on our rational, logical brains when we make our decisions, and it could be rather painful and stressful and overwhelming. Decision fatigue is real here. Analysis paralysis is real here. Let's bring in Zemo MG's voice. Zemo is a South African yoga teacher, lawyer, and writer. This is the memorable time when intuition spoke to her about her body's capacity to heal.
2: When I fractured my ankle, I was strongly advised to undergo surgery to insert a pin and ensure my ankle heals correctly. I was advised that surgery would ensure precision in my healing and that allowing it to heal without surgery was far riskier and didn't guarantee the same results. I was reluctant to insert the pin because I'd heard of people with pins suffering from ongoing pain. I was confused about how to approach my healing. I tuned into my inner wisdom and I chose to take a longer route with my recovery. I didn't do the surgery. I rested, did physio, followed thorough recovery protocols and researched what it means spiritually to suffer an ankle injury. It was hard to defy um, the advice of my surgeon and my lead doctor, especially when doctors paint a bleak picture of long-term risk. But when I listened to my intuition, the surgery didn't seem right. My ankle has recovered fully. By listening to my gut, I opened myself up to learn from my body about how it wanted to heal.
0: We can't talk about intuition without talking about heart wisdom. In The Alchemist, Paulo Coelho said, Don't give into your fears. If you do, you won't be able to talk to your heart. The heart is a seat of courage. The Latin root of the word courage is heart. And it takes a lot of courage to listen to intuition and heart wisdom. In a study done by the HeartMath Institute where participants were shown randomly selected, emotionally arousing or calming photographs to evoke a response emotionally, it was found through measures of brain response and heart rhythm activity, that the brain and the heart received information four to five seconds before the computer randomly showed an emotional picture. Moreover, the heart actually received this information about 1.5 seconds before the brain received it. So our brains and especially our hearts are intuiting about something before we can even see it tangibly in front of us. When I make decisions from intuition versus fear or scarcity, no matter how hard that decision is, and no matter how much fear is inevitably present or oncoming, I feel a sense of a deeper calm and an awareness of the necessity of that decision. And that is when I'm able to not give in to the fears. We can't talk about intuition without also naming the barriers to intuition. Systems like patriarchy that worship logic and hyper-rationalism, living in our heads at the expense of our bodies and our spirits, and abiding by a truth only provable by science invalidates the ancient knowing of intuition. Systems like capitalism and white supremacy that normalize urgency, fast-paced lifestyles and hyper-productivity leave very little room to listen and acknowledge our own inner knowing outside of the status quo. And then there's trauma related to the systems that we live in, but also stored deeply and physically, energetically and spiritually in our bodies, impeding the flow of our life force energy, of our universal life force energy. Human survival depends on avoiding danger. Our brains are wired to be especially sensitive to signs of danger and we register them immediately and thank goodness because it's kept us alive up until now but we also have a very strong built-in negativity bias which can feel intuitive and even instinctual especially if we've experienced similar dangers in the past but our energetic sensitivity may not always be accurate and can be false alarms for example If I've been hurt in a previous relationship, it's going to be challenging for me to distinguish future relationships from that wounding of the past. I have to do diligent work and processing to be able to distinguish the still waters of intuition from the chaotic waves of fear and alarm. I would need to actively become aware of the sensitivities in my body I'd have to do the work that I need to do in community, in collaboration with myself, to release that trauma through movement and somatic work and process the limiting beliefs and implicit bias that I had developed to keep myself safe in relationships. The systems that we live in, the interpersonal dynamics that we're in, and the personal traumas that we carry all can impede our intuition. But intuition is far older than any of that. Intuition is magic of what Clarissa Pincola Estes calls the wild woman archetype. And it transcends modern day woes. So I like to believe that intuition is resilient to all of these things. And that as we center it more, clarify it more, it can actually assist us in how we dismantle these systems and traumas within us. Intuition manifests in the microcosmic creative process. I love talking about creativity because creative practice and creative expression in and of itself is a microcosmic experience of how we show up for life. The creative process requires humility. It requires us to not necessarily know how or when or why when we are creating or crafting something. When I'm thinking about the art of dialogue in collaboration with another mind and body, I don't necessarily know how the conversation is going to go or where it's going to take us. It takes humility to be able to show up and be present to that conversation without some secret agenda or expectation as to where and how it unfolds. When I sit down to create a meal, I don't always know, unless I've done it many times before, how long it's going to take me, how it's going to taste, what it's going to do for my body, how I'm going to digest it. And when I go to create an illustration based on what my inner landscape is or how I'm feeling and processing something in the world, it may not always look the way it does in my mind. My brain and my hands are collaborating And because of that collaboration, my mind cannot perceive exactly how it's going to show up on the page. I practice listening to my intuition when I choose my words or my colors. I'm also practicing listening to intuition when I step away from a project to let the space marinate us. And when I return with hope and faith, whether or not I know what the next steps are, I'm practicing listening to intuition by showing up and stepping away in cycles. The creative process requires us to trust in something greater than our ego or our logical knowing. It requires us to release semblances of control and what we think we know. I'd like to introduce Gigi Mascarena's voice here. Gigi is a visual and performance-based storyteller. Here she shares about liberating her voice to sing a chant reminiscent of one by the Kalinga indigenous people of the Philippines. Alongside her brother, Idahum playing the djembe with her, her giggling, nibbling Diwa Uju with support from her sister Kai Kai.
3: I found myself heart opened, eyes closed, in the middle of an impromptu jam session. My hands kept the rhythm my natural state, going on the djembe. Someone was also playing another djembe to my left, a rhythm that flowed on top of mine. My physical body became a channel for the music flowing between, around, from, within us. My mental body ceased to exist. My emotional body was dancing in delight. My spiritual body was. This was its alignment. And then, from somewhere inside, sing. My mental body responded, but I don't know how to. Sing. I I, I don't know what words. Open your mouth, sing and like a baby taking their first steps i fumbled trying to keep the rhythm and hum at the same time my mental body took a seat back the voice coming from deep within no longer mine carrying with it a power and fullness that existed before and shared space of the impromptu music we had just created and the witnessing and reminder of what beautiful things can come when you allow yourself to surrender.
0: I'd like to share a few ways that I'm practicing honoring my intuition and I'm saying this also knowing that this may continue to develop. I'm still learning it's a practice daily to honor intuition and I'm speaking this out as much for a reminder to myself as it might be to you if you have it. The first bit is to slow down. To slow down in order to access insight. When we have a problem that we can't immediately solve, our brains are working on it subconsciously, in the space between, in our dreams, in our rest spaces. It's common when, for example, we're in the shower or driving or doing something completely unrelated to the problem or the pondering at hand, that something comes up that feels like an epiphany or a realization or a piece of the solution. And that's the process of experiencing an intuitive insight where our subconscious mind, our body, our heart, our gut gifts us with a piece of the puzzle. This type of implicit process requires and involves a longer gestation period. This feels so important, especially as we're talking about how fast-paced systems like capitalism require us to Go, 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 and have the answers right away. Slowing down allows more space, more gestation for deeper pieces of the puzzle to be birthed. To allow insightful perception that leads to solution to emerge organically as our language centers and prefrontal cortexes of our brains catch up to our body wisdom and our subconscious wisdom. I really love to write freely, to purge my mind of repetitive or superficial thoughts. I practice morning pages on a daily basis, and while a lot of it is just gunk (laughs) coming out of my mason jar, every now and then there'll be a nugget of gold in the pages. While I don't read my morning pages and just put it out on paper, when those insights come up, I'll write it down and put a star in the margin, and this will be an invitation for me to come back exactly to that place in my writing to take further action or to pursue an idea further thereafter. So I'm both allowing a purging of the superficial thoughts while also allowing space to pay extra attention to the harvests, to the intuitive insights. Spending extended time in nature is another way that I find I'm able to access some really beautiful intuition. Nature moves so slowly in some ways. Thinking about the way a tree grows from seed to shelter to abundant harvest to thousands of leaves to its height, it takes so much time. It's in no rush whatsoever. To witness something growing or dying and wilting is such a spacious process. When I attune to the vibration of nature, I feel like I'm closer to intuitive wisdom. I also ask for guidance as much as possible without attachment to the outcome. It's challenging to not be attached to an outcome. But this is really where trust in divine timing and divine collaboration comes in, which I've really been leaning on lately. It's easy to be wrapped up in capitalist desires and ambitions, ego-driven ambitions, foot on the accelerator, driving very quickly towards certain goals and achievements. But when I'm able to ask for guidance and trust when I'm in alignment with intuition, everything that I'm meant to do and I'm supposed to do in service of my highest good and our highest good will happen with assistance. And it requires a lot of patience with signs and sensations and guidance. In order to clear my vessel, my body, to be able to channel the muses, the guides all around me to receive inspiration and have space to do so, to twist off that lid of my mason jar to let the gunk out. I move my body as much as possible. And nowadays, if I haven't moved my body enough within a day or two, I feel it. I feel it in my mood, in my mind. And I also try my best to eat clean foods so that I may be a clear vessel. I highly recommend checking out Euthemia Cruz Montoya's work. She was featured in episode one of the podcast. And as a holistic practitioner, she talks a lot about how to eat in a way that is both clean and ancestral so that we may be clear vessels. And of course, the best way to honor and amplify intuition is to take courageous action in alignment. And this part can be sometimes the hardest part, the part where fear is the loudest. But the more we act in alignment with our intuition, the more present it is in our lives as a guide, a muse, and resilience. May you make and have the space and stillness to access your intuitive insights. May you be a clear vessel for divine wisdom. And may you take small actions in highest alignment with your intuition. If you found resonance with this podcast, go ahead and subscribe and write us a review. This helps us significantly to get the podcast out to more listeners like you. Thanks in advance.